Hey advisors, in this video, I did an interview with one of our advisor clients, Mel, on her business process and systems for having a calendar that is always full without using outdated methods like roadshows, buying lists, or cold calling. Okay, and no, if you're thinking she might be asking a lot of referrals, she doesn't even ask for referrals, right? And the amazing part, she's only like 18 months in the industry. Hi, welcome to the advisors podcast where we talk about how to get more clients, increase commissions, have longevity in the advisory business, as well as the lessons and journey that I myself have learned along the way in helping you become wealthy, purposeful, and happy. Honestly, my years of experience in the last like six, seven years, most like newer advisors hit the ceiling and then they have to hire digital market agencies, buying these and that sort of things. But I believe she set the new standard and this interview will uncover the journey that she's been through, how she went from zero to multiple six figures, right? And have always a full calendar, okay? And in fact, she said that <laughs> there are times where the prospect that she wants to meet, like the prospect had to wait two weeks because the calendar is really that packed, right? So again, this will uncover all of that. And if you stay till the end, I will let you know how to access the exact summary of the entire interview along with my own notes that will help you get at least another three to seven appointments this week, okay? So meanwhile, enjoy the video and let me know what you think. Let's start this, okay? So Mel, first of all, thank you for coming on this Zoom session. Honestly, I think a lot of people will be very curious to really want to learn from your experiences and kind of like the things you've been through. But first of all, thanks for that. Now, second, I think let's start off really with like just a short introduction of yourself, where you're from, companies, so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Mel, Melissa, but people always massacre my name. I joined the industry in June 2021. I'm with Great Eastern Advisors Click. I'm actually a mid-career switch. So I was in the government for four years. My bond ended and then I made a transition to the industry. What else? I like to exercise. Yeah. And that's it. That's my intro. I think you, you described me a lot more fun. How, how many months again? Like how long have you been already as like as of today? Like uh, one, 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 one year, six, seven months. That's about almost 19, 19 months, right? Yeah, there are about. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. So, Quick question before we really dive into the meat and potato of this entire thing, right? Like what, I, this is the first question, like when I talk to advisors, this is the first question I always ask, right? Which is like, especially in mid-career switch, like what made you decide to really just jump into this career? Because it's not the most glorious kind of industry, right? Yeah, so, so what made you make that jump? I mean, from what I heard, you're, you're not earning bad in your corporate job. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right? Okay, but the government doesn't pay much. Okay, but you want the, the long story or the short story? Whichever that, like, whatever your feel for it. Okay, it's a really long story. I think I was bonded to Health Promotion Board. And it's quite funny because I still remember in December 2020, when I had six months left in, in my bond, my boss actually asked me, like, Mel, what do you want to do like, after your bond ends? And then at that point of time, when you're in government, you're very comfortable. You just day in, day out, your pay comes in, that kind of stuff. And I told her, like, oh, I actually enjoy my job. I have no intentions of leaving. I'm very happy. Yeah. And at that time, I was doing your exercise programs that you would see, like, aunties, uncles exercising at shopping malls, the parks. But funny enough, like, two months later, I, I actually changed departments. Uh, and I think that was the start of my nightmare. I will not go into the details, but let's just say that my two months in that department made me realize that I wanted to do a lot more with my life. <laughs> Right, because I didn't really want to do PowerPoint slides from like 9am to midnight, only to have it thrown back because like it doesn't look nice, it doesn't, it just doesn't look nice or like it doesn't serve what they want, that kind of stuff. And I think I became a bit jaded, right? And I decided to explore my options. Just nice in Jan or Feb of 2021, I think that's when people started getting into crypto. Right. Likewise, I got into crypto because my brother was like, hey, buy this thing, buy that thing. Yeah, and dabbled a bit. I got into the rabbit hole and I think I knew more than the people around me. So that was at a time where people started approaching me for advice as well. Very basic stuff. Like, email, how do you set up your account? How do you know what to buy? How do you know what to do? And I mean, I gave the advice, right? I just helped people when they asked me and it made me feel good, right? Like, it made me feel good in a point in time where my job wasn't appreciating me. So, so with that, I realized that oh, actually I wanted to find something that I knew would have value or impact, or at least there's an exchange of value. Right? I give someone 
my hard work, my effort, and then in return, they thank me for it. And before you know it, I was also like exploring this industry because I realized that after four years of being a working adult, the fifth agent I met was the first agent to explain to me what insurance was. All other agents before that only sold me saving plans and ILPs. And I didn't even know what CI was until I kept seeing on Instagram people saying like, oh, CI definitions are changing, you better do this, you better do that. And then I didn't know anything. Right. So, so that was when I realized that, oh, actually this industry has so many agents, but not everyone is a good financial planner. Mm. But if I think about like my family background and how, and like my experience with money growing up, I realized that if people knew more, people wouldn't be in a horrible state 20 years on. Now. And I think like once all these things started coming together, my desire to explore this industry grew. And it grew to a point where I would always ask myself, what if I didn't join this industry, right? Like even if I decided to still play it safe, like go back to another government organization, I would always have this like this thought in the back of my head, like what if you join, will things be different? And I decided, you know what? I have no liabilities. I'm young. Let me just give it a try. Yeah. yeah so that's the long story of how I joined this industry. Yeah. yeah. A bit cliche, I think. It's like <laughs> find fulfillment and value in what you want to do. Yeah, you could have done property, right? Yeah, but the thing is like, I have no interest in property. I'll be like, oh, this is the door. This is the kitchen. <laughs> These are your pipes. This is the balcony. Yeah, like, I mean, to me, it didn't have that much value. Lah. Yeah. Property is more of a transaction, I think. Okay. Well, I don't think we have any realtors here, so yeah. we don't know about that. Huh? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So I want to j- jump into like the first big question I have for you that I think a lot of the people here, a lot of advisors here want to know as well, right? So obviously, like, you did like 230 grand yeah. in FYC in 18 months. And obviously, you took home a lot more than that, which I know you told me the number, <laughs> but I shall not disclose it. If you guys want to know, you can ask mail yourself, okay? So it's a lot more than 230 grand. So can you break down into kind of like explain like how you went from like literally a new advisor who knows nothing about financial planning, nothing about sales, especially and prospecting, going up to like to where you're at right now, the two hundred thirty thousand, and break down kind of like how the process and stages are like for you. And I think this would be very valuable for a lot of us here because we kind of see how was the journey like, and so that they can kind of relate to which journey they are, which stage they are in. Right now. So if you can break down the process, like how would that look like from zero all the way until like where you're at right now? Okay, I'll try. Okay, let's see. So. So before I actually fully transitioned into this industry, I soft launched my career, right? So, so I went to my colleagues, like my ex-colleagues back then, the friends around me. I told them like, hey, I'm actually considering a switch into insurance. Lah. Would you give me the opportunity to speak to you once I actually get my license and everything? So I really put it out there. And I think I had a buy-in of like maybe 30, 35 people. And then this pool of people formed I would say the first wave of my FYC, right? For like the first three months. Just went to like my really warm market. I did the usual stuff, right? Like when everyone joins, you learn your concepts, your models, yeah. you review portfolios, you fill in gaps, the usual stuff, right? So, so when that first wave ended, that's when real problems kick in, right? When you realize that, oh shit, I'm running dry. What do I do next? I think at that point, I realized that there was a lot more to insurance and financial planning more so than like just the regular portfolio review because the thing is like once you already settle your insurance then what's next and then you realize that people actually want to go into like retirement planning people want to go into like planning for certain milestones like their kids education that kind of stuff so that was when i realized i needed to expand my services right i cannot just do the oh pass me your portfolios i will review for you and see how you save money I had to find the angle to get people's attention. And I think it helped to understand your target audience. Because like four months in, I had the I had the opportunity to plan for several parents, several people that were already in like the range of 30s to 40s. So so for those age groups, like they already know that they need insurance. They already know that they need to start planning for certain milestones that were gonna hit them soon. And then I just pivoted to learn more of those strategies the products, how to plan for those milestones, and then I just implemented it for the next three months. So, so I'll say like the six months, that's where like the 100K came in, right? Hang on. So 
like two questions I just want to circle back because like I'm just very curious so you mentioned you asked 35 people before like yeah. kind of, like, joined, like a pre-launch right so like soft launch yeah soft launch right so like was that something that your manager asked you to do or was that something oh. that you're like or oh, you know what this is a good idea or maybe I should do it just to see a gauge before I join the industry no no it was totally my, my thing like it was just my way of giving myself enough confidence that I would have people to meet the moment I join because so, I think like one common thing is yeah. people are scared man. like if you join then what if all your friends say no correct yeah so I tried to like I preempt that lah. But, but like you, got, you managed to meet like 30 plus people or 35, right? Yeah. So like, how of, what's the response rate, right? Meaning say like, you able to meet 30, 35, like how many people had you actually asked? Oh, okay. I would say that of maybe, like let's say I've asked 50 people. Yeah. I would meet maybe like 90% of them. Okay. Yeah. So and, and it's like a direct approach. Like it's a direct approach. Yeah. It's a, can I get an opportunity? Yeah. Once? Okay. Yeah. So like when I first started, I was like, Oh my god, the messages I sent to people were like yeah. chunks. Like huge chunks of text. Like, I will never ever do that anymore. But it was really just me saying like, hey, we haven't spoken in a while. Or like, hey, previously I mentioned this to you. Would you give me the opportunity to have a business appointment? And then of course, you will go in with the... Or at least I went in with the, oh, this is my disclaimer to you. I'm not going to do this. They'll just do like a one-on-one. And yeah, bit to bit lah. Right, so you make a disclaimer, like, you're not going to sell them, you're not going to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay, now that's surprising in terms of like, I think most of us here, we did like what you call Project 100, correct or not? We did a Project 100 when you first started. Usually it doesn't uh, work out the best. <laughs> yeah, but Mel, it seems like you did your Project 100 before you even started in Nashri. Yes, I did. But the thing is, I never ever used Project 100. Yeah, I never used it as a, as a reason to meet people because I realized that I don't want them to feel like they're doing me a favor. And I don't want them to be in like this mental state that like, oh, I'm just here as a, as a number. Because then they would not see the value that you're actually bringing forward. Because they're already coming into the appointment thinking that, oh, I'm just helping Mel to right. take off a checklist. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's, that's a good one. Okay, wow. Fantastic. So so then you move, you mentioned like before you reached the 100k mark within the six months, right? So like, you mentioned that after your first wave that is kind of like exhausted and quote-unquote might potentially run dry. Yeah. Like, do you go for like a cause or like, do you go for like, I don't know, like what do you do to, okay, you know what, maybe I should really expand the market learn more in terms of like the planning, right? Because the right, why I'm asking this question is because more often than not, like, I mean, advisors that I've met and I talked to, right? More often than not, we just tend to like, okay, how can we get more prospects? How can we sell them more? How can we buy leads, roadshows, uh, that kind of... So, like, yours is kind of, like, different and kind of, like, deviate from the usual route. So, you know, what's the thought process behind that at that point in time? So, the funny thing is that what I did was jump off. Yeah, so... so oh, it was that time? Was, yeah, it was that time. The first time? I, okay. Yeah, the first time I met Ben was, like, in October of 2021. And then we had, like, a call where we, like, talked about, like, what you're currently doing, that kind of stuff. And at that point, like, I was still new. So, so we decided that it wasn't the right time. But what Ben said stuck with me and it really helped me for the next three months which was the part of our social media presence. I remember I went to him with this like fear or like this irrational fear that oh I don't dare to post on social media because like I don't want people to think mm. that Mel become an FA and then start posting about it. And that's when Ben said this very this liner like, that has stuck with me throughout like, which is that if you have 100 people and 99 people don't like what you post right? but what if you impact one person and then one person actually reaches out to you and says like, thank you or whatever. And that made me realize uh, that, oh, I shouldn't really give a damn about what people think. Uh, I mean, as long as I'm posting ethically, like ethical stuff and like the right content, it's fine. But I shouldn't care too much about what people think about me. And so from that moment on, right, I actually started posting a lot more on social media. Like I started posting more about like investments, the work that I do, and that actually helped me get a lot of passive referrals as well. I think, what are we talking about? Like when you like, say passive referrals? Uh, like people were just replying and ask like, oh, which insurer are you with? Then like, oh, I'm looking for a G agent to help me take over some policies. Or like they will ask me some questions about like the investment stuff that I, I post. And then they'll ask me like, oh, how can I get started? And like it kind of just helped me bridge the gap with people that I haven't spoken to before or in a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, that was the only thing I did, honestly, in October. Like, jumped on the call with Ben. And then the rest was just, it went with the flow. And I don't even remember, I honestly don't remember what I said on the first call. <laughs> if you, okay, I remember. Yeah, because it was like, like two years ago, I don't even remember. Yeah, but like, 
Okay, so so that's kind of. But have you ever thought of like buying leads or like cold call and roadshows? Because like on the other route is like that's what usually. And I think like some of us here, you know, go with that route to a certain degree of doing that. Like, have you had that thought before, mm-hmm. just to get more in the pipeline, get more prospects, so on and so forth? I think definitely yes, because okay, I think mean like AC or at least my team or group, like we're not really big on cold calling leads, so that wasn't like a very natural option. But there were people that that did it. And they told me horror stories. They also told me like how, oh, you can just make everything back with one person. But I would say like the main thing that helped me back from doing cold call, cold calling was, I just don't like talking to people on the phone. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like for me, I'm a texter. I don't like calling people. Maybe it's just like my generation thing. Yeah. Uh, or even roadshows. Like back then, roadshows weren't allowed yet. So, yeah. so it wasn't even an option. Yeah. So cold calling, it popped up. But then I decided that Texting my warm market would be a lot easier. And at that point of time, honestly, the thought of spending money on my business was a bit, I wasn't very comfortable with the idea yet. Yeah, so I didn't really see it as something that I wanted to do. Gotcha. Okay, so then you just resort back to like warm, uh, social media and things like that. Okay, fantastic. So, so continue back to story. So you were at the six mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like how, then what happened after that? What happened after that? Yeah, what are stages or like the journey you made? Okay, so so the funny thing is that after I made 100k in six months, I wasn't very happy. La. I think I, I hit a low in my career. Yeah. I was a bit, I was very confused because I made good money, but I still wasn't feeling very happy. And like after some like soul searching and everything, I realized that it was because I still felt like I was begging for appointments. Or I still felt like I wasn't good enough of an advisor to compel people to say yes to me. Right, like the people that said yes to me before, like in the first six months, were people yeah. that are really close to me. But once you get past that market, it's about how do you then stand out, right? To the people that you are not very close with anymore, and they have like a lot of options out there. So, so for me, the next question was, okay, then how do I be a better advisor, right? Yeah. And then that's when I actually started exploring courses, exploring other things or tools that could help me provide better value to my clients, and it's in the form of like I want to say financial reports. But that's like a bit on a bit later on. But I think that just formed the context, lah, which is that I just wanted to be a better advisor so that when I meet people, I have that conviction. Like, hey, I know what mm. I can offer. I mean well. If anything happens, good. If it doesn't, at least I hope that I managed to educate you. I managed to leave you some impact. And then it was just like a never-ending search of how to be better. Right. So then it would be like a review process. Like I talked a lot, right? And I, I struggled with it at the start because I would talk so much that my clients cannot even give me a like, I, I, Then I don't know how to ask questions. Yeah, so like all these things, right? Like they don't teach you how to talk in, in school. I mean, I did sports science, they teach you how to exercise, not how to talk. But like they don't teach you how to ask proper questions. They don't teach you skill, sales techniques, sales skills, or like how to have a strong narrative, all that kind of stuff. So these were things that I realized I wanted to work on. And then you're just finding resources, asking people how to do it better. And it's just like fine-tuning my processor so that I knew that if I were to go into any appointment, right, it will be like, like that. I will know what to say. I don't need to have a script. If it comes to this particular topic, I already know what's the angle. I know what's the ideal way of planning. Or I will know like what perspective to give people on for their portfolios. Yeah. So I, I don't really have like a face-by-face because all this was just like meshed together last year. But yeah, I think like to sum it up, it would just be, I wanted to be a better advisor holistically. And then it's what do I need to do in order to get that? How do you balance that out between like, because I know like, and this is something that I'm curious to ask, right? In the financial planning industry, what happens is that when we get recruited, and you guys will know, right? I mean, some of you guys who have faces, right? Your managers recruit you and say that you can plan for people, make impact, yada, and everything else, right? But then you join the industry and you realize that Shit, it has a lot to do with prospecting and sales, right? Like you just got to get appointments and sell. This is literally the basis of this industry and also how we are being compensated, right? It's based on the products we sell rather than just the advice that we provide. So at a point in time, do you, what's the mindset like, right? Do you have like, you know what? You just want to be a better financial planner. Or do you have, okay, cool. Actually, you know, like I need to sell or do you kind of embrace the selling part? Because I know a lot of people that kind of have that kind of dilemma, right? Like they want to give a lot of value, but at the same time, it's like the sales part is hard purely because like, I think even for you and I, like before we joined the industry, we are never salespeople to begin with. Yeah, so so how do you reconcile that there was a conflict in, if any in the first place? Well, or was think, it just like a go in and then, okay, you know what? No problem. I just go and say this, say this, say this, get them to buy it. Like, like how, was, how do you like sales to, to be in the first place? Okay, honestly, yeah, I have never seen it as a sale. 
um, because the moment it's something that I tell myself like the moment you see it as a sale then you treat the person in front of you as a cash cow and then it, it benefits you more than the client itself and like I know it's a cliche and I know it's like easier said than done but I truly believe that anything that comes out like any sale that comes out right it's just a byproduct of the work that you put in or it's just a byproduct of the, the way you conduct your appointments yeah which, which is something that and this is something that I've always told myself like I don't want to be in a bad financial state right because mm. I wouldn't want to meet people for my own sake like, imagine you're not doing well financially right then you know that your income is based off commission and then that's where I think the lines will be a bit blurred right because as much as you want to meet people and be like a happy positive state and to say like oh it's okay if you don't buy it today but then deep down that you bloody well need this sale then yeah. how do you yeah you can't really reconcile those two parts of you yeah so so that was something that I told myself like from the start that I can never let myself yeah but I know it's easier said than done right do you have, do you have no but like do you have like moments where you kind of quote-unquote need to sell or need the sale or like kind of like you were actually selling or was it just more like a, you go for appointments and then you're like yeah, this is what you need. So we need to do this. Just, yeah, just go ahead. That kind of like, just like a matter of fact kind of thing. Okay, I mean like, of course, if you already do the planning, the portfolios, everything, like it all makes sense. Then yeah, I will sell the need because like, I know the client But I will never sell something that just because like there's a promotion or like I don't do like the proper fact-finding stuff or whatever because mm. I mean the reality is that when Q4 hits, right, everyone starts throwing like consumer bonuses. Yep. And I've seen firsthand like how someone like how a client can be can buy a consumer promo and then six months later they realize that oh shit their cash flow is stuck because they need to start planning for a wedding, they need to start planning for a house. But all these were not taken into consideration because at that point of time when the agent made the sale, it was a matter of oh, you have enough money in your bank, let's just do it. Without considering all the other things that would come in the next three years. So so when, when I see situations like this, it compels me even more to do like forward planning, to at least understand like the state of the client in the next three to five years. And this forms like relationship building also, ma. Because it's like if today you talk to your friend, right? You ask them, hey, so when you go get married? Or like what's next for you? That kind of stuff. And then after more, it just makes the sale a lot easier because you already like settle all the objections everything checks out and then what matters and then maybe the, the last variable is whether or not the person likes you yeah does that answer the question I have no idea yeah, it does. So, so you don't really feel like the pressure of like sales and stuff like that but rather just have the mindset of like just really first first thing don't want to be broke <laughs> and then number two like really wanting to help them okay, okay. now that you mentioned it right okay nowadays my, my mindset is a bit more of like I want to see each appointment as a challenge Okay. Uh, it's a challenge, right? It's like a validation of like my skills and like the work that I've done, right? And the challenge is born when the prospect becomes my client mm. or when the person refers me someone. Because then it means that everything that I've been trying to work on, like asking the right questions, working on my communication skills, making sure that like my portfolio planning is like solid everything. Yeah, so so I see it as a challenge. So then it comes hand in hand. Lah. If it's a challenge that I really yeah. Interesting. See, it's a challenge, uh, guys. Like, if you guys are listening to this, <laughs> you see where you can see it's a challenge or not. And for that, for I just want to take a pause here. Like, for some of you here, I'm very sure that you are listening to this interview right now. Some of you have questions at the top of your head, at the back of your mind, and you just want to know like more in details. So, what I suggest here, if you have questions, please type inside the chat. I see you have time, we'll either answer it immediately or we keep it all the way into the end. Okay. So, if you have questions, please type inside the chat. Okay. So, that being said, right? So Mel, so then from there, so six months, and then you talk about this, then then it just like went on to like 230,000. Like, was there any other major thing or milestone that, that you have hit and that you have changed to get to the next level? Or was it just like a, you just do the same thing over and over again every single day? Not life is not rainbow. Let's see how deep do I want to go into this. I would say that another major milestone that really, that if it didn't happen, I wouldn't be here today, would be me meeting another guy called Daryl from break the limits lah. So he does something different from Ben. I think he's more in terms of uh, the emotional and mindset mastery kind of guy. And I think, honestly, I think like everyone would have experienced this, right? Like there are days where we don't feel like prospecting. There are days where we don't feel like talking to people. There are days where rejections hit a lot harder than mm. they should, especially when they, they come like 
people are like, suddenly the universe hates you. Everyone's saying no to you. And like, of course I've gone through this, right? There have been like really, really dark moments in my life where I even cancel or reschedule appointments just because I don't feel like meeting people, right? And when I met him, I think we did a lot of work in terms of rewriting old narratives or limiting beliefs, right? Like, for example, if someone were to say no to you today, is it a straight up rejection? Or is it just a no today? But it could be a yes tomorrow. It's like, how do we want to redefine this rejection? Is, do you see rejection as like when someone says no or if they shut the door in your face? And then it was just about like understanding all these little triggers. Because I think growing up, honestly, I think everyone in Asia has like childhood trauma. Lah. Right, and then like we, we take we take rejection a lot harder. We seek like external validation a lot, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of unpacking all of that to really understand why do you react so strongly to these to these triggers, or like when you are feeling unmotivated, is it because you are avoiding something? Are you unmotivated because you are simply burnt out? Yeah. I think these are questions that we always need to ask ourselves because if we were to just give in to what we feel like doing today, we will always repeat this cycle, right? But then if we could develop a bit more self-awareness and really try to understand what is triggering these actions or these inactions in us, and then we understand ourselves a bit better because what it sets us up for in future is healthier coping mechanisms or like how do we bounce back faster. So, so I would say like the one biggest thing that I did besides meeting Ben was to meet Daryl to help me become like a better person uh, emotionally, mentally. And to just always process my emotions and process all these little things that happen to us. Yeah, Daryl's the guy. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine as well. So then on, on that note, like in terms of now, so the thing you talk about is like mindset, right? In terms of like yeah. uh, the ability to bounce back and the ability to interpret. And I think this is for everybody here. I think it's from what I'm hearing from Mel, it really seems like it's a lot to look at. Literally interpreting how we choose to receive these emotions or events, right? You know, for example, yeah. So for example, like Mel talks about like, and I think it applies to everybody here, right? Like even write this down, I think it'd be great. So when someone says no to you, like like when it says no, right? You want to ask yourself a question, which is, are they saying no to you? Are they rejecting you as a person? Or are they rejecting your proposal at this current point in time? Like these two are two separate things altogether. That makes sense, right? Because if someone says no to you, like you as a person, they're kind of rejecting you as a person. So you probably feel hurt, right? But if they're saying no, just because like not the right time, maybe not now so and so forth, they're kind of saying no to the proposal. Does that make sense? So if we, one of the things I always talk about is like, if we can differentiate saying no to the proposal is not saying no to us or like our sales skills might not be good enough. Doesn't mean that we are not good enough. If we can just differentiate that and look at it from the other angle, I think we can, I think it helps in the bouncing back in, in that sense, right? Like it allows us to bounce back because you're not taking things that personal. Yeah, right. of course it's not easy, but you know, like it, it happens all, all the time. So talking about that, right? There's, now, wait, there's one more thing I want to add on. Sorry. Like rejection was one thing. And another thing that I had to change was the idea of failing. Because when we fail, we take it very hard as well. Mm. Right. And maybe the fear of failure prevents us from even trying. Right. Because back then when I kept telling myself that, okay, I will always have like this group of people to prospect because I've not prospected them. And I'll always keep them like in my back pocket, right? And I'll always tell myself that, oh yeah, I haven't reached out to this group of people from secondary school. I can always get to it. But I was afraid of reaching out to them because I didn't want them to say no. And then the thought of that, I thought like I had it just goes away, if that makes sense. But then I realized that actually failing is very neutral. Because when you fail, it just tells you what works and what doesn't. And then at least you know that you don't have to give it any more thought. And then you just move on to the next thing to do. Yeah, it's kind of like the concept of like failing forward, right? Like how do you go to fail forward in, in that sense? And one of, the, one of the, I think I can't remember, was it Mervin or can't remember who else I told you? So I had this like, and this is like, if you guys want to play this experiment, right? this photo experiment, which is like, let's hypothetically assume that in order for you to get success, let's say God, Jesus, Allah, whatever, come and tell you and say that. Hey, Elton, why are you unmute yourself? Basket. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I meet you already. Yeah. So anyways, right? I was saying, so just please thought experiment, right? Imagine like a higher power come and tell you say that, hey, if you want to get success, you just need to fail 98 times. And let's say that is a sure thing, right? In order to get you success with whatever that you want, you fail 98 times. Now, what do you think you most likely do? 
if let's say that's a guaranteed thing, you probably want to fail as fast as possible and find many times to fail in many different ways, right? So in the same vein over here, that's a visual thing like we'll get success, but you know, if we can just find joy, quote unquote joy in like really failing, I think it brings the process a lot more enjoyable, number one. And I think number two is in, in my view, I feel like I believe that like there will never be, pre like you can never prevent failures. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Like we can never prevent failures. We can never prevent mistakes. And since that is a fact, or at least I choose to believe that there's a fact, right? Then it logically makes sense that since we cannot prevent failure and we will definitely fail, then the next skill set that's good to acquire is how fast can we bounce back on these failures. And you can acquire that, then that will help a lot with the skill sets that we're going to talk about in a while. For example, you go, you ask this question and then you get backfired, <laughs> right? And then you get the wrong answer and then you get rejected and then you're screwed and then you feel CN, right? But if you can bounce back the next one, I think that's the big thing for that. So Mel, I think I saw Joy's question. I think she asked in the chat box and I just want to ask that question and rephrase it, which is like, do you have like any kind of like strategies when it comes to sales, there's certain, like how do you view sales or do you feel your financial planning appointments, right? Like, do you have a specific flow, structure or sequence of doing your sales? Or was it just a go in and just be bang bong and then just like, okay, this is the gap, <laughs> please buy. Like, how is it like for you, man? Like, like right now and also kind of like maybe before when you first started? Because uh, it's a lot easier. Yeah. At the start, it was really, yeah, bing bang bong though. It will really be like, oh, okay, so this is review that I've done for you. These are your gaps. Or like, these, these are the more value for money alternatives from Great Eastern. Nah. Then, they'll be like, so, so to me, I'm quite, I'm a very logical person, right? If something is cheaper, or if something is like, it obviously makes sense. I would think that it is a natural close, right? But I've learned the hard way lah, that my common sense isn't everyone's common sense and that money isn't everything when it comes to structuring a portfolio, right? So I think to answer Joy's question, my sales process now is a bit... It definitely doesn't follow RAF, TTBS to a T, unfortunately to say that. But I think I do spend a lot more time building that connection with my client in terms of like just having a good conversation with them, making sure that, hey, we have like similar values. I do take my time to go very in-depth into certain topics that have not been done justice by my agents, like ILPs, all that kind of stuff. And I think to, to the best of my ability, I will always try to link my proposal to them and what are the real benefits for them. So not just like listing out the pips anymore, but in terms of translating that value to them. And it could be anything from like, look, with this proposal, right, you don't even need to get any more insurance until your next life stage. Like, that's settled. Then you can just focus on like, enjoying your life, building your wealth, that kind of stuff. Right? As compared to last time, I would say like, oh yeah, we fill up all four pillars. Mm. Yeah. I think that the former sounds a bit more palatable now. And I think a lot of my clients are my clients because I think like, I try to have that human touch with them. Like, I'm a lot funnier when I meet people. I think anything to just leave impactful and good experience. And I always try to ask them, how was their previous experience like with other agents? Because that is like my mental model or like my mental note to myself that, okay, that was their previous experience. I'm going to make it better. Mm. And I'm not going to repeat the same mistake. Because everything that I do, I want them to feel that, oh yes, Mel has done her due diligence. Mel is solid. Like, I can trust Mel for anything, everything. Yeah, so it's a bit haphazard. Like, there is no proper sales process. My sales process is to just make the client feel good. Yeah. Brilliant. So, so I want to dive into the next one and move on to, I still have like a few more questions that I really want to ask. And I know we're kind of short of time, but... I just want to ask this. So I want to go into slightly more like technical stuff, right? In terms of numbers, in terms of like appointments and everything else. So, and a business model. So like, how's the business model like for you right now? And what I mean by that here is like, do you like, do you do referrals? Or is it just more like, okay, you help them do the report and it's passive referrals and social media or like, how's the business model like? Because I know for a fact that you mentioned just now you don't do cold calls and everything else, right? So like, how in a simple manner, like what do you do? basically in terms of prospecting and everything else. I am not proud to say this, but I have not actually asked for referrals. So now my business model is really passive referrals, me prospecting, me prospecting people that I think would benefit from the skill sets that I have. And it's just these two things right now. So passive referrals and then like reaching out to warm market in yeah. that sense. So what when you reach out, like how's the approach like? Is it still the same thing as what you mentioned when you first started, which is just asking people for opportunities? No. 
or like like how's the approach like right now? So that oh, like okay. yeah, because I really yeah. want to ask this so that everybody here can know what's the most like latest like up to date kind of like thing that that's kind yeah. of interesting, right? Yeah. Well, I'm proud to say that my texts are less than 10 lines now. Okay, so so usually I do it two ways. I, I did the former a lot, which is to just ask people out for coffee. Like, mm. to just catch up with people. No no agenda, like no work agendas whatsoever. It's really just asking people out to meet after a while. The second way is me texting people, saying that, hey, I know, like, previously we couldn't reach a conclusion on this proposal, or like, hey, I know it's been a while, but I recently attended this course that taught me something which I think might benefit you a lot. And then I'll list certain examples like it has helped me or it has helped my clients plan towards certain milestones. But I will selectively text people that I know would would be interested in this method of planning. So mm. I don't like just throw a random net. Like, yeah, I selectively prospect. So, so it seems like there are, if I break it down, it seems like there are two different types of like messages you send, right? The first one is really more like for maybe new pro- new people that you might not have yeah. met before, kind of like you, so you go with the catch-up route, right? Like, yeah. let's catch up and everything else, right? Without any insurance, financial planning whatsoever. No, yeah. So, so just basically, like, it's like you text me and then it's like, hey Ben, it's been a while, we're going to catch up. Yeah, it could just and, be like, hey, I heard you just broke up, let's go out for a beer. You're fucking kidding me. Like, like so so what? You stalk them first. I don't see I do like that. Lah. I no, okay, okay. Like, like, just So, like, the, the reason I ask this is because, like, I mean, this happens all the time, right? And I think a lot of us here, like, face it before, which is like, you no, know, if we try to text someone that we have not met for the last five to 10 years and asking for a catch up, it usually doesn't yeah. work out well, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, but for you, it can work out. So, there's probably something else that you've done, right? So, what's if the breakdown of the process? Is it because you see their stories and then you, hey, you see what's going on in their lives? And after that, you text them and say that, hey, man, I know it's been a while, but I know it just broke up. We want to catch up or whatever it is. Yeah, so I do that. So that's one. Like, okay. I really pay attention to their life updates on Instagram. That's and then, like, good. yeah, yeah, just ask them, like, hey, you want to grab a beer or anything? I mean, I love drinking, so why not? The second one is, I play a lot of mahjong last time. Okay. Yeah, so so I play a lot of mahjong. And then, when you play so much with, like, a particular group, it, it's very easy to, to slide in work. Or like to ask for a business appointment. The third one is like, I'll probably ask people like, hey, want to go work out together. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so I, I create opportunities for me to meet people that they are not business appointments, but it still gives me face time with people. And then from there, it's like, if you guys, honestly, like after you meet people, right, if y'all can like hit it off well, then it forms, it gives you a like, to ask them out again next time because you all enjoy each other's company so much. Or like, it could even lead to another appointment because you all vibe so much that mm. like, hey, you know, like we enjoy speaking, I think like we share like common values, common interests, like you know, this business, like if you think you'll be open to listening more about what I do. Yeah, so I, I think I really threw myself out there with like social appointments to the point where like, I remember there was a month where I had like 15 appointments every week but half was maybe social. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's something I want to ask a little bit more because I think I mentioned the email to everybody here that if you guys remember, Mel's calendar is full. Okay. She was telling me that, well, I don't know was she like being humble or trying to bring an ass, but she was like, well, I made a prospect, but unfortunately I to tell her to meet two weeks later. Just the earliest I can. Okay. But we shall come to that later. Right. So, Folks, like I want to extract these nuggets for you guys. Would that be okay? Like just a short one, I think will help in as picture to a warm market, okay? So it's just like what Mel is saying, if we break it down, right? Because I think Mel is like just yeah. So I just want to break it down to make it more concrete because you know my role here is more of a facilitator. I'm just trying to like extract the nuggets. So it seems like, or rather it's not, it seems like this is what's happening. Okay. So for in order for Mel to get her appointments, right? Her main prospecting method is basically warm, right? But there are actually three plus one different ways of doing it, okay? So, and there's a general principle that she, she follows with or follows by, right? So the first way, right, is that she stop and show, okay, when she stop, right? She basically show genuine interest and keep on updates on people that she haven't met for in a long while, right? And that is through Instagram, Facebook, usually, right? I think mostly, face, uh, mostly Instagram, right? Because uh, I think she doesn't use Facebook as much, but some of you, quote unquote, if you are more... I don't know how to say it in a nice way, but if you are slightly more older, then probably Facebook is the platform for you, right? So you keep updates and everything else, and then you show interest in them, and then you ask for a catch-up, right? So the appointment that Mel usually goes for is always for the catch-up appointment, right? Which is what she called a social appointment. Now, the second way of getting a social appointment was that I think if you have friends in the past that plays a lot of margin, like an activity kind of thing, like a social group, 
right? That's also kind of like social, right? Now, so then that's great. Now the third one, so the third one, so the second play a lot of mahjong is a combination of probably she drew people or people drew her for mahjong, right? So it's like a by chance, by imitation. The third one is that you create an opportunity yourself to get social, right? Which is she asked people want to go in gym, want to work out, want to go and play whatsoever, right? So if you look at just these three things, main objective, get a social appointment, get FaceTime, get like literally just a catch up relationship building kind of session without any financial planning whatsoever, right? That's the first thing that she aims for. The ways to do it is basically you either get invited for social activities, you go and find activities to invite people to, or number three, right? You just show genuine interest and catch up with people, you know, yeah, and stuff like that, right? So that's kind of like the things. And the biggest, like the principle she abides by is basically put other people first. Put the relationship first over resources. This is something we'll talk about, right? If you guys want to write it down, this is the key, damn key thing, essential thing to literally like killing it in one market, right? Which is you put the relationship first over the resources, right? So you put a relationship first, which is all the, let me talk to you. Let me show interest in you. Let me hit it off well with you. Let me have a conversation with you just socially. Then because they like you, because they feel there's a need to reciprocate the interest that you've shown in them. This is humans, right? Law of reciprocity. They will t- when you ask them for the opportunity to, for opening appointment that we call it, they are more likely to say, okay, because the relationship, everything else is rebuilt, right? So that's kind of like how Mel does a business model. If you look at one market to break down in that sense, right? Mel, is it, did I get it correct? Yeah, yeah, just meet people. Yeah, just meet people. And I think like you guys know Sanjay Tomanas in the space, in the industry. Back then, I go to all Sanjay Tomanas stuff, right? And I always know he said, I always remember he said this. He said that just meet people. Even if like every single day, every single hour, just meet people. If you go somewhere near offices, whatever it is, you have a client there, just show them 15 minutes, go and meet people, go and have coffee, like just for social. He said that by doing that, opportunities will show, right? So for some of you who feels like, but Ben, one market is something that I don't want to do, yada, so on and so forth. Like what I'll suggest is like what Mel does and what Sanjay and everybody does is just put a relationship first, right? Because it takes the pressure off you trying to sell them. That makes sense? It just takes off the pressure. It's just catching up with someone. That makes sense, people, right? So please go and do that. This is the easiest thing. Like you guys here, literally here, heard what Mel said. She gave away the script. <laughs> okay, she literally gave away the script and the secrets, okay? So you guys go and implement it, okay? So I said three things, right? Three plus one, right? The plus one is basically the follow-ups, right? So for people that I think what Mel is saying is that for people whereby there's no time, like basically there's no conclusion. Like let's say it's a rejection or like it's not now, that kind of stuff. How she follow up basically is that it does with a new opportunity, what I call a new opportunity route, which is first you acknowledge, hey, last time I know that we couldn't reach a together. But anyways, recently I went for ABC, right? So maybe you upgraded yourself, maybe you found something new, a new way of planning, a new way of investing, a new way of whatever that can help my clients a lot better. Can I share this with you? I feel it would be good for you. Yeah, would it be okay? So that's kind of like how she follows up, right? That makes sense. So this is like the newer way of following up compared to last time, which is like, Hey Mel, are you free? Mel, have you thought of the proposal? And yeah. all this stuff, right? Okay, so hopefully it's helpful for you guys, kind of like breaking down like how it's like, okay? I think Kenny is taking it down. I think we can craft it up and then we can share the document with you guys later, okay? So yes, that. Now, Mel, I want to ask the next question, right? Anyway, yeah, folks, y- y- if you guys don't know me or if you guys know me, we know that the sessions never ends on time. <laughs> like all the events never end on time. So like, I know some of you guys got to go at four. I'm sorry for that. But like, it's not going to end on time. I think at least another 15 to 20 minutes, would that be okay? If it's okay, can you guys type yes inside the chat? I just want to have this permission. to seek this permission from you guys. Is it okay if I extend for like 10, 15 minutes more? Because like, I just want to extract more value from Mel. Because I respect all of your time here. I just want to extract more value. So it's really implemented, okay? Okay, so Mel, I want to find... Oh, Joyce, no problem. Good to see you. Okay, so if you guys got to go, just go, it's fine. But for you, you can stay with your carry-on, okay? So Mel, I just want to ask... So this question is, you talk about... Remember the full calendar thing? Like your calendar? Yeah. So is that like literally how it happened? Like you just pack your appointments and every day just with social appointments? Uh, as much as possible. Yeah, I guess so. But, but I think the reason why I even wanted to pack my calendars in the first place was because... If it's empty, it means I'm not working. La. Or like, if it's empty, it means that I'm wasting, I'm, it means that I'm not being productive or I'm not mm. doing enough. Yeah, so I think when I see blank spots in my calendar, it like lights a fire under my ass. To like, okay, now start prospecting, go and like do stuff. 
set appointments with random people or like just as meeting. So, so, so empty yeah. calendar to you means that you are fucking yeah. up and you're lazy. Yeah, correct. And I realized that I don't really want to have anything stretched past two weeks because I feel pious to ask people to meet me but then I have to give them a date that's three weeks later. Yeah, so I try to keep it within like two weeks because it also lets people know that I'm, yeah. Okay, guys, this is not important. Uh. This is just a side note. If anything, when you want to meet your warm market, don't talk about core. Uh. If you want to meet warm market for catch up and everything else, even if, let's say, your entire week's calendar is empty, you never meet them the same week, okay? You probably will meet them, like, next week, right? Purely because, like, if you tell them, if, let's say, tomorrow your calendar is empty and you say, hey, you want to meet tomorrow, right? Like, chances are the perceived value of you drops because it's like, you seem like you're very free. That makes sense, right? It's just a scarcity thing, right? So, Mel, then... Like, do you feel there's a drop-off rate? Like, do you, do you feel like a sort of, let's say, the person you're going to meet is two weeks later, right? Yeah. Do you notice a trend if, let's say, the date is nearer to the, when the date gets nearer, there's a higher chance of reach getting? Meaning, say, the people that are further away from you, from meeting you, there's a higher chance mm. of reach getting. Do you, is there such a trend or is usually... It's usually fine. Because okay. I would, I would just drop in a reminder the weekend before something. Right. Just to remind them. Because I think not everyone has a habit of, like, putting things in their calendar. Yeah. But so far, no, no drop-offs. Like, no, no shows. Okay. Understand. So, so your calendar is full. It's a mixture, like you mentioned, a combination of social and what? opening yeah. appointments. Okay. Do you have, like, like, how's the sales process like? Is it like a three appointment kind of thing, which is social, opening, closing? Or is it like social, opening, one, opening, two, then closing? Like, how is the usual process like? So that... I think it allows everybody to have an understanding of like how should they structure their appointments based on a social kind of thing. If it's social, usually, I usually will do social like two times. Okay. Like okay. one or two times, depending on how, Close depending up. on like the context of the meeting. Like if it's a fellow breakup, right? I cannot ask for the appointment on the first time. Right? <laughs> it has to be like, a, it has to be like a just break up. Then one of us like drown your sorrows kind. Then yeah. I'll wait like one month later and be like, hey bro, how are you now? Like yeah. a month, yada, yada. So for those kinds, like probably on the second time or maybe even the third time, depending on how bad the breakup is, I'll just say like, hey, I got a curious question. Like, how come we never thought of insurance before? Yeah. So just, I think it's just the nature of my friendship with people or yeah. like the nature of who I'm meeting that it's easy for me to just throw it out. Like, just there. Or like, I'll ask like, oh, a curious question actually. Like, I just have to ask, like, who's managing your portfolio? Right. Like, is there like a particular strategy of like when you ask it? Like, I understand maybe you take a couple of appointments, but like, this is the crucial. I think this is what everybody wants to know. Yeah. <laughs> like, how to exactly ask it, right? So like, do you go for like, let's say you go for two social appointments, whatever appointment it takes. Then, like, do you ask it at the end or is it like halfway through? Or is it like, is it like, like, hey, it's like a, so the space in between <laughs> and then you're just like, hey, by the way, I'm just curious. Like, how come you never thought of interest before? Like, how, if you look back, right, Mel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's probably like in the middle of your... Your end, okay. Yeah, never at the start. Because at the start, honestly, like, if you meet someone to catch up, right, your thought shouldn't be on asking them about insurance. It should really just be like to catch up with them properly and to like talk about everything that's happened, like life, all that kind of stuff. Even better if talking about all these things lead to insurance. Because I think like we are all at, at a stage where like unfortunately everyone's worrying about something. Like worrying about money, worrying about investments, worrying about whatever. And if you are able to just have like conversations about life, about what's next, somehow an opportunity might also present itself without you having to be so sick to like, hey, why are you not my client yet? Or like, hey, just new. Yeah, but of course you must read the room. La. Like you must read the room, really gauge if like your friend is in a good state or like really enjoying that conversation with you. Okay. So, so, so if I kind of break down the process, it seems like step number one. So guys, you have to break down the process, right? Like Mel, tell me if I'm on the right track. Now. So it seems like step number one, just meet people for social appointments. And this is done through the three ways I talked about just now. Yeah, Either yeah. you find activities, you get invited for activities, or basically you show interest in others and ask for catch up, right? So these are three ways. Now, the second one is once you have a conversation with them, like once you meet them, like, you, it seems like you have to put them in a good state first. Yeah, confirm. Put them in a good state during the conversation. Now, 
how is there like anything that you do specifically? I think this is like, guys, I think if we can just, do we agree if we just nail this now, it's valuable for everybody already. <laughs> for what? Yes. Uh. Okay. So let's just like focus on this, right? So like, so how do you put it in a good state? Is it just purely like that? I mean, is there a particular, I wouldn't say tactic, but like, is there kind of like, how do you usually go about it? Is it like you, you just like, or is it just like a pure natural catch up when you do it? Okay. I'll say like it's a natural catch up, but it's also the little things like not using your phone when you're meeting your friend. Um, when they're talking, like really be interested, pay attention and not give like superficial reports. Because my only intention from having those catch up with them, right, is to build the connection. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's no like secret stuff. Lah. It's really just to be interested and invested in the conversation with them. Gotcha. And then like meet appointment or like near the end of the conversation and then you just like by the way like yeah. I just curious like is that a question that you always ask yeah I got a curious question how come you never thought of interest before like or there yeah. are there variations of that no like just usually like yeah really quite curious like we know each other for so long but I never dare to ask you for insurance before that kind of stuff like I will try to okay but what but what if you meet people that you have not met for in a long while because I assume and I might be wrong, but I assume that these kind of questions, usually in my experiences, works better if you know this person for a long period of time and either in the past had a great relationship and it kind of like dwindled down or maybe in the last six to 12 months, you guys have been talking kind. Like it seems to work better, but like for people that you probably stone cold, 10 years never meet, maybe your JC mate or uni or whatever it is, and then like you meet them and then it's the first time you meet them after like five years or 10 years. Like, do you still do that question? I still do it. Okay. Because the people that I do ask out, like the 10 years ago, like JC, yeah. even secondary school, yeah. like these are people that I used to be really close to. It is yeah. And the funny thing is that when I actually do ask them for that appointment, they will tell me things like, oh my god, now actually I've been wanting to reach out to you myself, but I just like I've been procrastinating mm. or like I didn't know how to. Yeah. So so after I make the first move, then they tell me that actually to meet you. Fuck, this sounds like some confession thing. Eh. It's like you confess, the, like the guy confessed to the girl. Yeah. Like you. Then the girl say, actually, I also like you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, no, but then does this mean that it has to be predicated? The reason why I'm asking this question is because like, like everybody here is different, right? People, like some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts, some of us are like just, we just know how to socialize with people. So I just want to find out like, is it something that can be applicable for, of, to people that are of different natures and characters, right? Because like Mel, it seems like a very likable person. You know what I mean? Like, do we agree people like when Mel talks, like she's funny and then you guys like think she's like- Yeah, great, but great if, you know me, yeah. if you know me, like I have a resting bitch face and that kind of stuff. Like I am honestly, I'm an introvert. Okay, let me just put it out there. I'm an introvert. Hey guys, who, hey, who, if you think that Mel is an introvert, please type. Yes, or introvert. Like, come on, guys. Who who thinks that Mel is an introvert? Like, type inside. You think she she said introvert, huh? Uh, based on the last, I don't know, one hour. Well, you guys, yeah, definitely more introverted than Mel, hundred percent, right? Yeah. So so Mel, like like, do you have to be likable? Do you think like likability is the big thing, that is the prerequisite before the be such that the effectiveness of the by the way ask for insurance thing, right? Is more effective. Like, is it because you have to be likable, first? Unfortunately, I would say yes. I say unfortunately because then it's like, it's not something that's replicable or like, it's not like something that you just follow and then it will immediately come to you. But I think it's just maybe the kind of relationship that I want to have with my clients is that I would want to be able to like fight with them. Mm. And as compared to like, if I were to do cold calls or road shows, like it's a very passing connection. And I think ultimately, like when people like you, they trust you or it might be like, they trust you, then they like you, that kind of stuff. So instead of likability, it could also be like, do people think you're reliable or trustworthy? Yeah, and then if we have to look into like trustworthiness, reliability, then like, what must we do to make people feel that we are as such? Yeah, and maybe that's why I put, I place so much emphasis on like doing my due diligence, yeah. responding fast, or like having solution for anything that doesn't, that is not even like insurance related. Because I want people to feel like I'm a one-stop or like if anything happens they can always call me that kind of stuff wow okay I got you I understand 
Yeah. And then for those of you are listening, if you're introverted, you might be, oh shit, then this doesn't work for me. Like, I think I wouldn't say it works or doesn't work for you. I think it's to what degree, to what extent it works for you. But I think generally speaking, whether introverted or not, I think one of the key principles that we can apply that I always talk about and I always tell Mel and I tell the rest of our clients, right? Which is like the first biggest thing, it's show genuine interest in others first. Write this now, okay? In this business, right? Big one is like show genuine interest in other people first. If you guys, I, I will recommend this big book, like this book that everybody is a die-die must read. And I think it's a book that if you can read like 10 to 15 times, like you will never be poor, okay? And the book is, I think some of you might have read it before, but read it again, please. The book is How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? This book, I know some of you have read it, but like, guys, this is not a book that you should just read. This is a book you need to study because all the principles, number one is timeless. Number two, that was the book that I read like 15 years ago, which my dad has, but I just don't care about it. But when I joined the industry, I read that book again and I applied the principles, right? Now, one of the biggest principles is this. For people to show interest in our work, in what we do and what we say, we must first show genuine interest in others. I repeat, for people to show interest in our work, in buying products, in, in listening to our concepts, in listening to whatever it is, we must first show genuine interest in others. Okay, this is, if you guys can just follow this principle in whatever you do, I guarantee you will never be poorer. I guarantee that you will not have lesser appointments. That makes sense, people? Like if you can just follow this one principle, this one will change my entire life. That makes sense. And when you hear me asking Mel about all these things, it's just following these principles. She's just caring about other people first. Just genuinely be there for them. You know what I mean? And then you get the appointments a lot easier, right? So for some of you who are not in extrovert, and stuff like that. Like, if you can apply this principle, I mean, extrovert and introvert is just a difference of like, whether you're like that or whether are you more like, like that. Like, like, that's kind of like the difference, but we can still deploy that. Like, for Malcolm, I think you're more like towards the introvert type. You're not like extrovert, extrovert. Yeah, but you can still do the genuine interest one. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so that's kind of like the big thing here. Okay, so folks, valuable so far. Guys, we nailed this down. <laughs> like, you guys nailed down the warm side, okay? And by the way, like next Friday, right? After Chinese New Year, like next Friday, I'll be doing a probably a two-hour, three-hour training, a breakdown of this, a prospecting process on how to reach out to one market, step-by-step. Step. So I'll do that next Friday. So plus block out your calendars, okay? It'll probably be around two o'clock also, okay? So uh, you guys will receive the emails and stuff, okay? Now, before we end off, I just have two more questions that I really want to ask so we can extract and wrap this up, okay? So uh, Malcolm said, I would say introvert can even be better in showing genuine concern. Yeah, like, like sometimes it's just perception, right? Like there's like extroverted people like myself. It's like, we are like, yeah, yeah, papaya. Yeah. Then it's like, don't care about other people. It's all you want to say. Like, it makes sense. It's kind of like that kind of vibe. But sometimes introverts are more like, it's like all about them. It's all about the other people, the other party. It's like just caring. Right? I think this beautiful mix of both. And I think that's why like we are all like kind of unique in our own ways. Okay. So next couple of questions, right, Mel. I want to ask this question because I'm just curious, which is like for all of us to reach some form of like, oh, wow, Daniel. Is that like a PDF for like that? Okay, fantastic, guys. You got a book already. <laughs> okay, fast game. Thanks, Daniel. I love you guys. Okay, you guys are really very valuable and contributing. Okay, so that's fantastic. So Mel, the next question I have, last two questions. The next question I have here is this. A lot of us, like there are people that get success that people don't get success. And even for those who have gotten some form of success, like it's, it's, there's many ways to get success, right? So I want to find out and what are your thoughts, right? Like, do you feel like based on your own personal success, do you feel that luck really plays a part? Or rather, even if it is, to what extent does it play a part in your journey in, in getting to where you're at right now? Wow, oh, luck. Okay, I'll say that luck has an element in everything, right? Like, but it's the same thing as talent and hard work. Someone could be talented, but then if they don't put in the hard work, that talent goes to waste. Right? Same thing with luck. I could be lucky. I could meet someone with like a million dollars in their bank. But if I don't know what to do with it, or I don't know how to be the right advisor for them, it might never lead to that sale. Or like it might never lead to a conversion. Yeah. And I always believe that hard work matters more than talent or luck lah. Like, I honestly get annoyed, right, when people, I have colleagues that attribute my, my, my success or whatever to luck. And I think when people do that, it's their way of making themselves feel better. To make mm. themselves feel like, oh, Mel did this, not because she's good, but because she's lucky. Then they immediately feel better, ma, because then they, they don't think that it's because they didn't wow. work hard enough. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so I think luck will always have a role in everything, just like talent. But if you don't have everything else, you will never transform it. So so what you're saying, love that part about the very fact that like when people say that you get lucky, it's just a way of making themselves feel better. Right, like yeah. I think that's so true, and I think it's kind of reflect like like as humans, we like there are people that just want to blame it on external circumstances that they cannot control, right? So yeah. they be more of a victim. Does that make sense, right? Because it's like oh, they're lucky, it's the weather, it's this and that, and then they just feel better about their own situation, right? and just kind of take the power away. So Mel, do you feel like a combination of these three things? Like it's kind of like it starts with the hard work, right? And then maybe you have a natural ability of that talent that helps to amplify the hard work that will help you be more lucky. What a sequence. Hard work, talent, luck. Was it? Yeah, like, like, is it all starts with hard work first? Because like, the why I ask this is because like, I want to see like, is it something that you feel like is controllable? Because like, talent is like something that we can't really control to, to a degree. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't even call it talent. Nah. I'll call it like maybe a natural flair. Okay. Like a, a flair for talking and whatever. Yeah. I think luck and that flair would be more obvious first. It will come across first because they might not, like, if someone was, like, a naturally good salesperson, right, they mm. wouldn't even know what they're doing, but somehow they just manage to, like, like, mm. like sweet talk or smooth talk the person, right? Then probably, like, as time passes, once they put in more, more effort or whatever, and then they, they look around to their peers, they realize that, oh, actually, there's a difference. Like, maybe I don't need as much. Yeah, but it could also be the other way, lah. Like, you put in the hard work and then you realize that, oh, actually, some things come a lot natural. Some things come a lot easier to you. So honestly, it could be vice versa. I don't know. But you know what? We just need hard work for everything. Lah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think like, because like the thing that's really still controllable that we can all be given is just putting the work, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only it's thing. Just, just putting the work. And, and if you guys don't know, Mel and I used to have conversations and then like, there was one time and then we said, we said this, like she got a success and we we're just talking about our lives and everything else. And then we said like, Hashtag jobs not done. Like, like no matter where we are at right now, like job is still not done, right? Like we still have more to achieve, we still more to plan, we still have more greatness that you want to strive for. That makes sense. So that's a big idea here. Okay, so kind of like hard work is the big thing, right? So last question, last and final question that will help for everybody here. Okay, I always love this question because it brings in so much wisdom and hindsight, retrospective insights, and everything else. Which is if you are to restart your career, nineteen months, re. Reverse and go back in time 19 months ago. Knowing what you know now, what is that one thing, even if it's a mini thing to you, like you would just wish that you have done differently? Not three, just one. Wow, okay, wait, let me think about it. Let me think. <laughs> Stress, right? Okay, I think if there was one thing that I could change, it would be the way I connect with people on the first appointment. What do you mean? Yeah, it- because at the start of my career, honestly, like, I was just, like, repeating a script, right? I was just, like, it, it was a relief to me when I finished my model. And, like, it was always, I always had to remember, like, okay, I need to say this, I need to ask this, I need to profile my client, I need to do this. Like, there was so much chatter going on in my head, but I never really focused on the person right in front of me. Like, when I first met people, I never had genuine conversations with them. Because to me, when I meet them, it's just like, okay, I did an appointment today. Take. I did my job. Mm. Yeah, and like, this, this was a very... I had to bong a lot of times. Ah. Like, I really bong so many times. And I had to like ask myself, why is it that my proposal makes sense, but don't want to, people don't want to say yes? Like, what was it? And then along oh. the way, I really just... I realized ah, that the connection was not as strong. And even... Mm. Like, like even right now, if I had to like revisit the people that were my clients in the, from the get-go, like I find it a bit awkward. Like it's that kind of like relationship which is awkward because they probably said yes to me to support me, but then there was no like genuine appreciation of like what I've done for them. And then now that I have to revisit them or I have to go and do the review with them, I will always remember of like how awkward the first appointment was. Then I have to do service recovery for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why, like, for anyone new that I meet or like that comes to me, they ask me like, Mel, what's your secret sauce or what? I'll just remind them to have genuine conversations with people. And honestly, that that's just it. Like you are in the you are in the people's industry. Yeah. Not financial services industry, we're in freaking people's industry. Lah. We need to be able to talk to people. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Mel. Like, I think that was great. Like, like I, if you guys get it, like, 
you go, you see, we spent like almost 90 minutes together, right? Like almost nearly 90 minutes. Like from beginning all the way to the end, like if there's just one big takeaway that I want you guys to really take away, like really just leave this conversation, this leave this Zoom room right this moment. Like the only thing I want you to have, if there's one thing that, that I want you guys to have is just show genuine interest. Just be genuine. Like just put people first. Mel mentioned, right? It's a people business, right? What comes first? People, not business. Business comes second. That makes sense? So it's like the big idea here, like really just show genuine interest in other people. And I would, one more thing I will add on to that is I will explain and back up why showing genuine interest is the key to being successful in this industry or actually in any industry more than ever at this current point in time. Let me, let me tell you why, right? So a couple of reasons. The first one is this, right? Generally speaking, humans, we are all wired to behave of self-interest. Meaning to say, what, whatever you do is because of ourselves, right? Every single one of you that come on this Zoom call right now, it's because you guys want to gain something out of yourself, for yourself. Does that make sense? You want to gain value, conversation, whatever it is. So this is the hardwired part, right? Now, it's very hard for us to show interest in other people, right? Which determines, which kind of implies one thing, which is this is a skill set. And it is a skill set. It's not like a natural thing. It's a skill set, right? Showing genuine interest. It's a skill set that is a lot more valuable than what other people can offer. Does that make sense? So that's number one. Number two, in the industry, the industry that we're in, where 90% of advisors care about the money and the sale more than the person, this means that like by being different and by showing genuine interest, right? We would just be at the top 10% of the industry. Does that make sense? Right? Because Eric, like, let's be honest, guys, you guys have colleagues that just care about the money, right? You want to close this and close that, which I think is important. But like, if you can just put the genuine interest first, I think that is the beautiful part. Does that make sense, people? Okay, so I hope you guys take this away. Okay, now, before we bounce off, I just want to address Malcolm's one, potential max style, can one still relate and clients? Yeah, I, I think like I'll just answer that. Just read this up, Malcolm. Like, first of all, the answer is definitely yes, right? Like, we can still show genuine interest. Like, I think what you're asking is more like, can you relate, right? Like, we need not relate to them. We just need to show interest in what they say. <laughs> because most people, they don't give a shit about you relating to them. In fact, they don't want you to relate to them. You know why? Because what usually happens is this. This person says something about their life, and then the other person, because they can relate, hey, yeah, yeah, me too, eh. You know, last time, oh, I also went to this, and then blah, blah, blah. Then it becomes about them. That makes sense? So actually, I would argue that's a more counterproductive one. But if you talk about, can we show genuine interest? Yes. It pairs up with the other skill set of last, just like listening for the sake of like listening. Some people listen for the sake of processing it so that they know what to reply. But if you can just genuinely be there, just listen and just take in whatever this person is saying, and then just say whatever they feel like saying. Or just like saying, yes, wow, wow that's fantastic. Like, like the person will just feel a lot more appreciated and will love you a lot more just by default. That makes sense. Even though we might not necessarily agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. But which is why when it comes to war market, one of the other things is also like, you can get to choose your own prospects. Agree? Folks, war market, good thing about war, you choose your own prospects. Cold, you cannot choose. Warm, you can. Which means to say, please don't choose people that you hate. Okay? Like, I know there are people that like, should I talk to this person but I don't like this person. Eh? And I'm like, bro, why do you want to go and, like, if you don't like this person, then don't prospect this person. Lah. Like, find someone else, you know? You know what I mean? So, that's not a big idea here, okay? So, so I hope you enjoyed the entire interview video. And in order for you to access the interview summary along with the notes that I've added in to get you another three to seven appointments in the next couple upcoming days, all you need to do is to head down below, click the link in the comment section, download it, make a copy, make it yours, whatever it is right follow the action steps and make and this will literally help you get a few more points with the next upcoming days thank you so much for listening i hope this episode was useful to you and here's two other ways that can help you grow your advisory business for free number one go to instagram and search bend to the right and number two go to youtube and search bend to the right and remember to leave a five-star review on this podcast so that we can gain more access to more people and redirect those lessons back over here to you.